everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're welcome along to LOI Central. On today's show, it's Ollie Cahill. Uh, we're going to reminisce on his uh, football career. I think he ended up at Home Farm. I think I saw. Uh, I think I saw him playing for Home Farm against Cork City in Whitehall at the end of his career. We'll talk about the PFAI days. Uh, he's left the PFAI. And we'll talk about um, his aspirations, I guess, the future of Irish football. LOI Central is with future ticketing, collar and cuff. Uh, now, with collar and cuff, just have to get through the ads here. <laughs> oh, we've got more sponsors than like a French football jersey or something. Uh, collar and cuff is... Um, it's not a bad complaint, Johnny, to be no, clear. No, no, no. Have you even introduced me? I can't even remember if you have. I'm here, by the way, too, um, just to be clear. Dan is, Dan is obviously yeah. here. Oh, I'm, was I, did I have COVID last week? Yeah, so... I, or was it the week before? No, it was Chatham yeah. last week. You did have COVID, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, we're, we're, we're back, back in the flesh, season. folks. Collar and cuff. So Decky is offering um, a free shirt and tie with a suit. Um, yeah, which, and also we should say it's like it's obviously wedding season and all that. It's, we're talking about is like, it? yeah, well, I mean, people are now having weddings again, like more, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, more again, a bit like we're doing podcasts in the flesh. People are having weddings again. So mm. if you're looking for a bit of wedding hire and stuff like that, get yourself down to... I wonder where they're like, the people that their wedding just kept being called off and then they just broke up. Do you know, it was like, they were supposed to get married. It was called off because of COVID. Supposed to get married. Then there were new restrictions and then the relationship wasn't the May West and then they just didn't get married at all. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I think <laughs> COVID was a volatile time for relationships, Johnny. <laughs> I got through it. <laughs> Did you? Um, I tell you. Uh, well, we got it we got it together as in COVID like we got COVID as in like <laughs> it was inevitable we also got together during COVID oh yeah <laughs> yeah the Porterhouse Brew as well um, our, our signature sponsor for the season and uh, thanks to the lads the, the lucky winner of the mystery guest this week is going to win eight beers from Porterhouse Brew because it wasn't won last week so uh, we're going to announce the winner very quickly uh, very soon he'll be happy Malone Financial Services as well Dan yeah, our yeah. friends, uh, our friends from Malone Financial <laughs> Services. I don't want to. Hopefully, you're still listening after we got through all our sponsors. These are all offering services. We have, we have all, we've got sponsors. We've got Future Ticketing, who are obviously a sort of a, a sort of a premium ticketing service. They're involved in this game at home. Sorry, farm this pre, Friday. Pre, yeah, they are. The, yeah, this, the game, game of white for, for, which is very important. You know, Malone Financial Services. It must be said for any players and people like that listening are actually offering a free financial review uh, for anyone who mentions the podcast who maybe want to see where things are at and I know yeah, yeah. we're going to have Chris in um, in a couple of weeks time maybe one of the players that he's helped uh, particularly with regards to players that suffer long term injuries and stuff like that so Collar and Cuff you give a tin, tin of fruit and tin of fruit, sure. fruit we, well, you can have a couple of drinks if you want um, yeah. th- will, we, will we get to the mystery voice before we do we should. last week's mystery voice was this uh, this was last week's mystery voice yeah my lovely horse running through the field where are you going with your fetlocks blowing in the wind Dan, there were a lot of Johnny Dunleavy uh, entries which were correct. There were a lot of Rory Higgins entries which were not correct, it's, and he does not sound like that at yeah, all. Yeah, it's, it's just assume, an assumption that anyone... I was going to say Northerners, but that's obviously not a correct term in this... He's in, from Limavady, Higgs, is he? Yeah, yeah. Do you know, but I mean, like, you obviously have to be careful about how you describe people. I mean, do people just assume that they just sound the same? You know, I mean, like... Mm. Jonathan Levy from Donegal. I mean, I think the lovely horse reference in Jonathan Levy, people really should have put two and two together. They put a lot of enthusiasm into it as well. And uh, Who's our winner? We had a lot of entries. The winner was D. McDwyer. D. Um, McDwyer? D. McDwyer. So D. McDwyer is going to have to respond to us um, on... I'm just trying to think now. Was he... I think it was Instagram, yeah. I've, I've collated all the the um, right the answers so D McDuire respond either way anyway but this week's mystery voice it sticks with a kind of a local sort of a team here have a listen do you have to let it linger do you have to let it linger do you have to do you have to let it linger Johnny you always have to leave it linger Johnny what's the story bit of cranberries there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. a bit of, bit of cranberries damn what's going on what's going on yeah. well I mean we have no Premier Division fixtures this week we have first division, first division games we have Premier Division games to reflect on last week um, I don't know where do you start I wasn't at a game myself I was watching Draw to oh, I was in Talca on the TV you were in Talca oh, yeah. what a night yeah what a night I was called out by uh, one of the Harps fans um, for my RT report was almost trying to exonerate Shells because they had three games in a week I just think I felt a bit sorry for Duffer like I was just like I have to come up with some excuse here Dan they were so bad so so bad and in fairness as as was pointed out um Nigel Hegarty wasn't on Twitter, was saying like, well, perhaps actually had two away games in this spell. And 
exposed was the visit like the Chelsea had on the Monday night. So I don't know. They were so flat. They never got going at all. Never got going. And I'm looking at that game and was like, well, Chelsea are definitely not out of the relegation battle if they play like this. It was very interesting. Yeah, no, and... I was surprised by the result. I, I did think for Shells that they did win Andrada, right? And you're thinking, okay, so they've won Andrada. Is that going to put them on a sort of a level above? Are they going to... Does this maybe assumption that was there would be Drada and Finn Harps and UCD and maybe Shells and a little bit of a limbo? Mm. And then maybe the, the, the other clubs ahead of them. Um, but if they don't win home games against teams around them, they're going to be in trouble. I think the issue is, I mean, Moylan was such a big player for them. They don't have great... They don't look like they're going to create loads of chances and he's probably looking to make a solid structure first and then build from there but solid structure starts with your goalkeeper and again I, I do mm. wonder should Brendan Clark be playing yeah no there's definitely issues there um, I know and I know these your danger where you're making excuses like JJ Lunny hasn't been available you know they you know, as I said Moylan a big player I know Mark Coyle was back but um, but yeah I mean it's, it's concerning I think the more the broader concern is that there was such a great buzz at Shells in terms of attendances and stuff like that oh yeah there was no their, atmosphere their, the game their home games it was really flat their home games have been flat mm. um, you know the, with the exception of the opening day mm. um, I was at the Derry game a lot of people there but again they just haven't been they haven't been great Entertainment, you mm. know what I mean. So few booms that, that's an issue. So. Um, they, and draw the the big win. The Oriel Derby. So you had another. The, bit the of, Oriel Derby is the United. They had in the game park. They had in the game park. You had another bit of banter with Connor Hoey on Twitter. I, I mean, don't be going it's there. It's just every week now. You're you and Connor are at it. Like don't first be, of all, I want to mention um, the the, the draw the win. I was sitting. Oh yeah, sorry. Because um, yeah, yeah, I think point. this is a great win. I watched the game back the following morning. Wasn't unmerited at all. Sean <laughs> Rowan Dan. Um, I thought he was brilliant. He's called into nineteen. He's a good talent. Yeah, he was really good. Sean, um, excuse me, Sean Rowan. Um, when you think he made his debut for Lincoln, I remember doing a story on this when he was seventeen. The first day of the season before last, maybe was it? You know, putting out a tweet about Sean Rowan starting, um, and like he was playing for Lincoln regularly. I don't know what story it was with his contract. He was linked with Chelsea. He had all the clubs looking at him. And for whatever reason, he's ended up coming here on loan for first team experience. But like, this is a player who, you know, I know Dara Doyle has a very close connection with him. And that this is a player who, you know, would have been viewed as one of the top sort of underage players in Ireland, really, you know, and certainly playing League One football at 17. I mean, you know, think of someone like Georgie Kelly who's gone over and hasn't been able to play in League One yet. And you have a 17 year old like he was doing it. So. Um, and in fairness, their goalkeeper, Sam Long. He's his mate. He's, he's, a, he's his flatmate. He was in the Scotland on 21 squad. I see the, the, we have this bizarre situation. I see Joseph Anang from St. Pat's in the England on 21 squad. There's four lads from the league. the Welsh boy in the under 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four lads from, from the league. So sorry. three goalkeepers then are in under yeah, 21 squads in, yeah. in, in Britain, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's mad. Britain and Ireland, yeah. So, um, but anyway, it's a bit of a, bit of a tangent. Um, Oh yeah, I mean, I was just watching the game and at half time. I just like you know, Miss had gone to bed and I was watching the match. I'm like, I, I never, I never. For all we talk about TV coverage, I never, never actually watched watch the games yeah. on TV because generally at one that Friday night. I was so underwhelmed by the spectacle. That's no reflection, but I did put this out at half time when it was nil all. It wasn't, like, wasn't having. It wasn't it. like anyone was winning. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean. You just not you and Connor. You're just I don't know is it reconcilable at this stage. <laughs> yeah, Connor's the chairman of a Premier Division football club in this country. Mm. Um, sure. What have you done? Well, well, exactly. Yeah. Next to nothing. But I mean, sometimes I would say is that I'm very glad that he doesn't have in his bio that he that he is the Drawdy United chairman because some people know who this person is coming at you, uh, replying and everything. Not everyone knows. I don't know. Like. I don't know. I don't even want to go into this, but it, I think it, it, it's, all, it's, all, make, it's all sort of good natured, but like mm. we are trying to like sort of drive some kind of like standards in this country. I assume, you know, and in fairness to Connor, there is plans to like push on the stadium with Drada. Uh, that's something they've been scuppered by in recent years. I would think, mm. you know, politically, locally, hopefully they can make the case. And sometimes there's just incredible defensiveness. It just so happened Drada was the game on the TV. It could have been the same if it was Oriel. Would have been the same if it was 
whatever. Like, I don't know, not too many of our grounds look great on TV. Some of them do. But I I honestly believe, I I don't think if you've got a 15-game TV deal, I don't think going around the grounds should be remotely on the agenda. I think if you have one game every week, that's fine. But... Honestly, it's not like the, the, I, I found it quite difficult to watch at times. That's uh, not good. Like the the, uh, the the camera angle isn't the most favourable, so it doesn't actually bring home what it appeared to be. I'm sure being there was a great atmosphere. Mm. And trust me, I completely understand. Great atmosphere after the, as well. You know, draw the fans who were there having a great time, come home, they see that someone's been pissing on the thing a bit and they're a bit aggro with it. I completely understand particularly that. Particularly someone from RD. Oh yeah, particularly someone, of course, who was like, you know, my, my beloved Dundalk, you know, mm. as kind of what a put. I just find sometimes like, you know how we portray ourselves on social media it's like are we uh, trying to be a serious football league or are we still sort of engaged in some kind of like small time sort of jibes for it it's all a bit of banter you know mm. it's like well, hang on like at the time at the time when a bit of banter has taken place there was like a pitch invasion on the pitch like there was shit happening on the pitch which was a product again of uh, the facilities have probably not been well set up. You don't see this stuff necessarily happening in other places. It yeah. happened in the Brandywell this season, to be fair, and there's a broader issue of security and stuff and grounds. But I really think, you know, um, you have to accept your failure, your failings sometimes. Use that as a motivation to improve and to get better. Uh, and a lot of people may be referenced, like be aware of this, and we live in our own small world. But I don't, there was something- I don't particularly, I wouldn't be particularly a big fan um, of officials from clubs yeah. um, coming out to bat on stuff on social media. There I think we should be, I think we should be trying to be a little bit better as a league. Something very unedifying about the scenes at the end. And um, yeah, Drogheda definitely have to look at uh, Sjordan and at the state of the ground and all it's all about engagement, you know. Um, it's all about engagement. Mm, there's an engagement of a different kind. Of the pitch just looks no, it did. It's, it's horrible. It's not, and, uh, and, and it's, it's like you can't avoid what about you with this stuff. Mm, and I know we mm, know. I would we talk about it here all the time. How many times have I spoken about the backdrops of our grounds don't look mm, good? But then you have this security issue. It's definitely people are a lot more pumped up post pandemic. There's a lot wrong at the moment, and we have to sort of be looking to accept it. It's not good enough, rather than get uh, testy and defensive. Well, we haven't we haven't mentioned the best four teams in the league: Shamrock over Sligo over Derry. City and St. Pat's very briefly uh, a lot of chat about Ed McGinty a lot of chat about how good the game was in Tala as well I know you made the point that it could have been a very good game to show big Sliger Rovers crowd another really good result Sliger Rovers and then the Will Patching show at Brandywell um, Gravosti's goal if he meant it was actually be- better than any of them yeah. but but the Patching show at the Brandywell um yeah, like considering the players that Derry have been on, so unlucky to not have really so far. What a result for them! Yeah. Um, Why don't we go to the mailbag? Because that will let's allow go us to, to the let's go mailbag. mailbag. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Yeah, so it's a popular part of the show, Dan. It's variety of comments. Wheelow Drog, loud derby, great buzz at it, great atmosphere, colour, both sets of supporters. My two kids loved it as they finally saw us win one in United Park. Bad luck at the end of the match, had potential to be a full-scale riot, but reality was it was over in seconds per stewarding. Or he didn't even show it really on the TV, they just made reference to it. Um, yeah, Declan Clancy, most pundits tip Shells to be seventh, had a Harps, Drogs, and used to sleep before the season started. I can understand Shells fans just been happy to avoid relegation based on how it um, went tits up from two seasons ago. Um, that's just a general discussion between fans of uh, shells over where things are going on. Sorry, there was a few... Yeah, I think... Sorry, Declan was making the point that they, they, they could be bottom two candidates and they look toothless. That's sort of something... It was funny. I, before the game, J.R. Wilson came over to um, talk to kind of an elderly enough uh, shells fan and it was really nice as he was warming up. Um, but I, I was kind of just looking at the, I don't know, the Shell's body language. Just like they, they didn't necessarily look like they were in for a battle. And after about 15 minutes, Joey O'Brien like absolutely barreled Sean Boyd outfit for, you have to get going here, you have to get going. And the Shell's players never got going at all. And I don't know what Duff would have said to them after the games, because like, this was nowhere near good enough. And it's like, you, you can't just come up and expect to perform against somebody like Harps, because they got, they got hammered, like. They got yeah. hammered 3-0. And on that, on that ever, like... This is a big job for Damien Duff, and I, I do wonder how he reacted to uh, as bad as that night was for him. Yeah, I do wonder, like, I mean, and I think sometimes people say, oh, you go on about the intensity of shells as though other clubs aren't intense, like they didn't do an intense pre-season. I get that. But I, I do, so like I'm danger, in danger of saying like an excuse-making territory. But what you will say is that we had a hectic schedule of games at the start of the season. The same for everyone, mm. although... 
The Chelsea have any games called off? I'm not sure that they did. I know like one or two other clubs no. did. Harps had a couple of maybe weeks off. I just I kind of just wonder, like you start the season, this is something Stephen O'Donnell was talking about last week, and all of a sudden you play like seven games mm. in a in a month. Yeah. And you've you know, little knocks and bruises and you're trying to sort of operate at a certain tempo and then maybe just fatigue sort of creeps in and it could be mental fatigue as well as physical fatigue, you know. But, just that, briefly, but that, so that, was, that could extend to many other teams. You know, I was looking at Harps, so like uh, Inzei, um, Mihailovic, uh, Carrillo and these kind of exotic names, whatever, and Oli has put together this team and like... Some of them aren't particularly exotic, they're just overseas names. Mihailovic. Carrillo isn't really exotic. Inze, Carrillo, anyway, like so... Um, Mihailovic, I don't think he scored yet. He hit the crossbar f- twice in the first like five minutes, but they just look like they've completely bought into everything. I think I think um, Mihailovic is living with his family in Letterkenny already. Like, so yeah. he's, like he's, a, he's already a Donegal man for life probably, like even though he's basically a journeyman footballer. He's been there for three months. Croatia, but I just, I just love watching Harps and I was just like every year they do this Bastianeri didn't even start um, and Mac Woods comes off the bench and scores another new name and uh, not, definitely not exotic Mac Woods no <laughs> if, you, if you checked into the Mac Woods resort in the Bahamas you'd be like I'm not really sure um, about this but, but yeah so it's, it, apologies to Nigel that if I didn't give enough credit to Harps oh, you're, that just, you're, rattled, you're rattled by your exchange with Nigel I can't take criticism at all anymore it's, like, it does appear to be the most, case but um, yeah Har- I, I of course I'm totally chilled with criticism I don't I don't see um, <laughs> Rob Cullen here social media is definitely helping crowd numbers a huge number of international a huge amount of international tourists coming to Inchicore working on the gate I asked where they were over from Germany, Holland, UK, Sweden and Ukraine at the, at mm. the UCD game actually um, that's something the League of Ireland um, I know I, I, yeah. it always feels a bit opportunistic to talk no, about absolutely. it and um, there probably is something in that Dan Byrne yeah, yeah can you mention clubs changing fixtures to an earlier date after fans have booked travel and accommodation yeah, it does appear that this Sligo Rovers-Shelburne game um, been moved the week after next, I think it has been moved from a Saturday to a Friday, has caused a bit of a problem. Galway um, United have moved fans. to one game like a day in advance, the Wexford game, and people on the form is like World War Five. Well, I think, yeah, but what I would say in this instance, like it's a very Dublin-centric league this year. So when the Dublin clubs... Um, probably go to wherever Sligo or Finn Harps mm, they they're probably planning advance, a bit like. in advance and this stuff probably doesn't need to be mm. communicated a, a small bit better I, I think it's a valid point um, yeah Andy McNulty don't want to make any assumptions but I'd be shocked if this isn't mentioned but a reference to the, the billionaire Comer group making a move to buy Galway United what's your take on that son? Yeah, it's uh, like it's it's going to be a big vote for the co-op. Um, I'll have to be honest now. I'm I'm in the undecided camp at the moment because we don't. We Just don't. explain what's the what's the what's on the table here. So the the co-op um, technically owns Go United, um, even though the day-to-day running of the club, the co-op probably doesn't have as much of a role as it should in terms of board level. The Comers have been incredible backers of Go United for five years or so, effectively keeping the club afloat, or certainly keeping the the wages such that we can have a. Um, a title challenge or whatever, but the Comers want to buy eighty five percent of the club. That's all I know. Like, I so the issue for the fans is relinquishing control, right? Yeah. So the co op has to vote on um, whether or not it will give up. Now, the the thing for me is I I don't like the Comers have been amazed with going night, but I've no idea what their ambitions are. Um, I don't think they're necessarily mad football people in the first place. And if you go down the route of giving up, giving up fan ownership, it does have its pitfalls. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it's when you um, look at the Cork City stuff recently, and it's obviously a debate that they've faced around the fan ownership. Mm. Did it hit limitations? Do you need investment? I don't have a strong opinion. I haven't looked into this enough, so I don't want to just throw out an opinion mm. for the sake of it. Although what I would say about the Comer group, it does appear like they're not the big bad wolf here. Do you know what I mean? Like they're not the unknown, the great unknowns. No, no. in um, terms of what the Comers have done for Go United, I'd say it's 99.99999% good and like the money they've put in and all that. I just don't know what their plans are, so I need to see. Yeah, you need to see more. I understand. Um, Ian, Ian Rocksteady, boy, uh, is there any update on Galway United's Instagram, TikTok numbers and a brief segue into the fabled under-14 final from last season? Johnny, can you give no, us anything actually, on that? No, actually, no. Fresh thoughts in the 14 final. Um, I believe there was a rocking all, atmosphere in the one you watched in the stream. Yeah, um, there were three three of the lads. I think were playing for the Ireland underage team, which is a good thing. There we go. Yeah, no, we got no, something. No, no real update. Fifty five thousand TikTok followers now. Oh, there we go. Uh, is Colum Paul Hogan? Is Colum Whelan's? This is an interesting. Is one, Colum actually. Whelan's lack of goal scoring just a temporary loss of form or a struggle to adjust to a higher level of defending? I don't know. I've only seen Eustace once. He did miss a chance in that game, but he was well marshaled. I think it's too early. I think Whedon, by all accounts, has interest from England. I don't think he's going to be moving to Shamrock Rovers or another League of Ireland club in mm. the summer. I think he'll go straight overseas. 
you'd want to get going, I suppose, you mm. know, and score a couple of goals. But I'm not sure if I've seen enough of them. Great result for UCD at home to Bowles as well. Yeah, like I'm not sure if I've seen enough of them. Um, and I kind of wonder, is his, is his role to to be unselfish at times? Like, you know, UCD has said are quite durable. Like, they're not your typical mm. UCD side. So I did say to um, one of our one of our mutual friends uh, that Bowles were on football focus, but they might want to focus on their actual football. Well, They've had a really poor start, Bowles. And Roddy stage. Collins has agreed with that point of view. I see. Did he? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. But now, in fairness, it was a fairly easy one. But uh, in, in the context of going 1-0 up after five minutes against UCD, I'm sorry, you just win that game. And they didn't. Yeah, no, and it does, does seem to be some dissatisfaction in the ranks you know in the Boas fans ranks and yeah. some people call him for Keith Long's yeah. head which I think is utterly ridiculous to me it's yeah to me utterly I, I, ridiculous. I'd agree with you um, but there is the, the, you know I wouldn't say that the people are irrationally holding that opinion the people mm. are just exp- are able to explain it too um, I would have had the debates with some Boas fans around it um, they've one win from six Dundalk have won yeah, win from I just seven. think you know it's, I, t- I still think he'll, he'll obviously deserve way more time to sort Dund- here's a stat for you Dan 20 games in Dundalk, Bowes and Shelburne have won a total of three games yeah there you go. There you go. Um, so Jerry Desmond was on to us as well. He wants us to try and give us a shout out on our pod. It's a cycle. You're back cycling now yourself in memory of Anthony McDonald, um, a big yes. Shamrock Rovers fan who passed away sort of at the beginning of, of COVID. So uh, he was a well-known Shamrock Rovers fan, I think, to a lot of people. I sort of recognise people might recognise totally his face. Totally recognise his face, yeah. Um, he was a racing cyclist in his earlier years. So... Yeah, I think it's an Easter Monday they're doing this cycle. A two-hour cycle, a route catering for all levels of cyclists. Um, so yeah, it's a, I think it's 11.45am they're meeting on Easter Monday. Um, so yeah, I think we'll like, we'll retweet that off the account that's, as well. That's the 18th of, uh, of April, so yeah. I might try and get involved in that. And you should. We'll talk yeah, about you're, it in you're, the meantime. You're yeah. back training. Graham Merrigan says, can Johnny settle talking about title races till it, until yeah. at least September? I was just thinking, like, you know, if you were a commentator in a race at Cheltenham, like you'd be getting very excited over the early fences as opposed yeah, to the end yeah. of the races. I like, can just imagine, you know, you'd be at, you'd, you'd be at full Jerry like, Hannon sort of excitement yeah. at the first, at the second, you know? Uh, yeah, I think on on one level, um, Derry starts unbelievably well, but on the other level, the, the sounds are, Shamrock Rovers are actually just playing well, they're not winning games. Uh, and the two performances against um, Sligo and who was it before that? Against Pats as well, even though they got one point. Apparently Sligo, Shamrock Rovers were really good last Friday. They just didn't win. And Jack didn't start. Yeah, obviously. the only thing, the virus. I think the only issue, the only issue for Rovers is they seem to be playing well and not getting results. Last year they weren't playing well mm. early and getting results. It's a better league. But, no, but yeah, but I think also as well, what happens if they if they lose a bit of form? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mm. think that's the only little niggle, but it does. I think there's a confidence there they'll turn it around. How many, how many teams are in the title race? Very briefly. I like, see you're obsessed with the title yeah, race. How many teams like could could Sligo sort of hold on in there? I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not, I just I'm think, trouble Pat's I think, actually. to be fair, I know I'm slagging you off, but like last year, I probably got bought into the three-way title race around the mid-season break and there wasn't Did one. not exist. So this season, I don't know. I think Derry are... Three-way title race I think, the first I think Derry are the most likely ones to stick with them. Just mm. the way they're picking up points at home. I think that's significant. Um, a few references to the Talca Park pitches in Unplayable. Nick, owned, the boy owner, former producer, saying that. I don't think um, it was that bad on Friday. A few references to that. But um, yeah, um, listen, we'll get all the cat in now. We can throw a couple of the mailbag comments his way. So, Oli Cahill is here. I was just reminded of my ridiculous prediction when... Uh, Dundalk went to Legia Warsaw and they played an expansive team and I predicted they get hammered or whatever. 5-0. Turns, <laughs> turns out it wasn't the only uh, loud club uh, away form ridiculous uh, prediction. So, uh, Ollie Cahill, what happened? And this was used as a motivation when you we, were in We key. were talking about, well, Ollie just came in there and we were chatting about, I mean, it's obviously, God, but everything's gone at the moment. Like, Drada were in Kiev in 2008 and we were just chatting about the trip because I remember you were staying in a really nice hotel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really modern, sort of wonderful hotel. Um, no expense spared and all of that um, but then you reminded me that Paul Doolan was having a pop at me yeah. during that I mean, were you in the same hotel no well? but no, I remember no. I, I remember maybe you were around or I, was around, I remember being in the hotel one day and you and maybe Stewie Byrne walking into the lobby yeah. and like Stewie like roaring something down at me it's like you know <laughs> you're talking shite down there yeah. or something I, I, think, I, I think I'd put a, I think because after the game because obviously the game was had that mad ending you know where, where Drodder really should have gone through yeah. with the Adam yeah. Hughes miss and the the Shane Robinson shot that came across the post 
and it was all a bit frantic because we were flying home in the charter if you remember and we just had to divide forces that I had to go down and speak to Shane Robinson and he came out and he was bullying and he was like a lot of people wrote us off including you yeah, and yeah. I was like what's going on so I think I put like a prediction at the bottom of my piece in the paper yeah, but then I heard subsequently it'd be mentioned in the dressing room yeah the prediction wasn't very flattering to us <laughs> so yeah I, I, again I was here was it you're saying it might have been three one or four one I have five nail in my head for no. some reason but well, maybe I, I maybe maybe know. the ball did and exaggerated yeah. this for motivational <laughs> maybe, purposes but maybe yeah but do you know what after the first leg I can remember watching back the, we did the video analysis with Paul and he what he pinpointed for their weaknesses and stuff that we could pick out that we could we went out and carried it out to a tee now not yeah. saying that we were all over them or that you know we wrote our look at times as well and they had they had chances and all but like Paul Dillon's attention to detail and his football knowledge is incredible. Like, yeah. And he was able to go through that and go, if we do this here or that there, we've got a chance here. And we went out believing we really had a chance. Yeah. And as it turned out, we did. You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and as you say, Adam Hughes missed a great chance and then Robbo shot. I was actually on the edge of the six-yard box and if that hits the post and comes out, I have a tap in. It was a ricochet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just I a think bad the ricochet. keeper palmed it onto the post, yeah. but it went across the goal. Mm. Now, there's a defender in the, the, yeah. the area as well, but if it hits the post and comes out, I've got a chance, you know, because the keeper's out of it. And I can still see that ball going across in slow motion. I'm going, I ain't going to get to this. With him but. and Graham Gartland on the show and the not too distant past, like, and. Uh, we spoke about it with Graham, because yeah. I, think, I think it wasn't part of the plan. There was an element of. Like you were a very fit team, and you was a bit hanging in there. So like Graham scored with two one, and then they were terrified, weren't they? The yeah. last like, 10, 15 because you had the big striker Tiam, wasn't it? Uh, That's right, Ibra- yeah. Tiam, Abraham, who, yeah. who yeah. had come yeah. on, and it just seemed like whatever your game plan was, yeah. you'd stayed in the game. You stayed in the game, That's it. and then you knew how to really ask questions of because I think they'd taken off maybe Malevsky or one of their better players. Yeah, and then they were really vulnerable when it, when you yeah. when you got back That's into it. it. Well, look, when you're going away from home, especially to opposition like that, you know you're going to be under the cash at times and have to soak things up and ride your luck maybe at times but again I say we always felt we, we had a chance we were in the game and you know like Garth scored and you're thinking we've got a right chance here like and and we were and we were pushing for a winner it wasn't as if they were pinning us back then to go you know like and we need to and for somebody just, as well like I, I always wonder as a player if if look, what memories have you most winning titles or playing in Europe and big gig big games in Europe Bit of both, but I probably Europe is probably where you tested yourself really, mm. you know. Um, and for like, like I was never going to be an international player or anything like that. So that was the highest level I was going to play. That's that was my feeling, and you love them. Just the extra hype and the, you know the, everything mm. that that goes around those. Who was the best player you would have played against, or uh, played against, or marked, uh, or taken on as well, a fullback? Deportivo would have Valeron. Oh, he was yeah. alright. He was okay. Valeron, yeah, Jesus, I actually yeah. got his shirt. You got um, Valeron's shirt. But Stewie Bourne actually did a man marking job on him for the for the two games, yeah. but he didn't want his shirt. I think Stewie just walked off the pitch <laughs> again. You know, so I was just like, so I, I got Valeron's shirt. Valeron, I have a frame. That's mad. Yeah, I have a frame at home. Um, so I, I yeah. think it's interesting because you you had a really high number of appearances in Europe. I think it was Gary Rogers overtook you, wasn't it? Was yeah. that what it was? You had the record. When you think back though, and is this like a psychology thing of a player? Because you won a lot, you were involved in a lot of good games. Do you tend to dwell on the stuff you won or do you think of the near misses? You know what I mean? Like, like you talk about Kiev there and you can vividly describe yeah. the detail of that. Like are they the ones that you yeah, take away them, with you? Yeah, stick with you more maybe than the wins. Um, even when I think back, like with Cork, we should have won a league title with the team we had in Cork. We came runners up twice. Yeah. And that, that sticks. And it doesn't detract from the stuff you've won either. Um, but yeah, sometimes they, they do, they, they hurt. And even with Shell's going out going, second second half against Deportivo away going we're 45 minutes away from the group stages here mm. and I, I'd often think about that going Jason Byrne like, had that chance, that chance didn't he yeah. in, the, in the home game give anyone yeah. a chance and now you mm. go put Jason Byrne there yeah. the header as well like it was ball in from David Crawley and you like you think like, mm. you know it's, it's, it was so close but then obviously they get the first goal then we have to kind of chase it a bit and they, they score two goals um, but Again, look, brilliant memories and, and a great team and, you know, what a club as well. Like, you know, I loved my time there. But, yeah, you kind of look back. Could have. Could have. Yeah, could've, yeah. And definitely yeah. that Trotter one as well and hitting the post. And, like, to beat the Ionima Kiev away to go through would have been incredible. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Like, we, particularly after some bad predictions. I, I remember <laughs> I remember an, an earlier round. I can't think. Cause I did, you draw it two years in Europe. I remember it was another trip where we were flying somewhere and we would have been on the plane 
and we're, we landed in, in in one airport and we had to walk through the airport to get a connection for a second flight somewhere else and I had Paul did it in my year the whole way <laughs> from gate you know gate yeah. 1A to gate 26 F I have no idea what it was about it might have been going to Estonia I'm just trying to think it might have been because that was the first game in that yeah, uh, that run wasn't it yeah. I'm not sure if it was a direct flight but I just can't remember can't what remember it was it, yeah. but um yeah, he definitely was paying attention to what was being said at the time. And oh, yeah. Bringing he, it into the group. Miss, he wouldn't miss a trick he wouldn't like miss that. It. No, How did, no, it no, was no. it a kind of a sink or swim thing under him that either got you did, you did it or you didn't? Like, Yeah, I, know, geez, I remember when I signed first, it took me a good few months to get my head around the whole set. Him the, and, and everything. He was, he's fairly intense. And I can remember him in training. Basically, when we, if we do like I say, a crossing and finishing, and I was what was like thirty-one at this stage, I just come off the back of winning the Player of the Year in the league with with Shells in two thousand and six, and at the first session or two, him saying to me, and even before he signed me, he said, "I'll make you a better player," and that was it was great to hear. You know, mm. when you think you're thirty-one, going, ah, you know, like not that I know it all, but to, to, for a, a coach or a manager to come and say that, he was like, oh, "This is a brilliant boy." He, he's was it when we were in training, we're doing maybe crossing and finishing, he'd be standing basically standing over me, watching me cross the ball. And like I was saying, I think I knew how to cross the ball at that stage, but he'd be picking out little things going, oh, you need to do that. Or you're coming at this angle. And honestly, it, it got into my head and it took maybe the naturalness out of me for a while that you're thinking, oh, what does he want me to do or what? Mm. You know, but I suppose for him, it was going, I'm going to make him a better player. But some players that might erode them mm. and chip away mm. at them and go, oh, I, I can't be dealing with this. But I was probably the type that, he can make me a better player, but I'm not going to let this be. You know, I'm going to get through this. And I remember actually, I got a stress fracture on my ankle and it was the longest period I was out again. I think it was about four or five weeks out. It was probably the best thing ever then because I was able to sit back like and watch the team play and go, I just take it in and just go, you know what, you know the game, you can play. He's giving you tips to to, mm. to make you better as a player. And, and to be honest, I think after the two years there, definitely was 100% a better player. Could see the game a lot better and it was just come from him and say his attention to detail and his football knowledge is incredible and some players can handle him some some can't yeah um, that's that, that's, that's a recurring theme we've had because I've actually talked about maybe be, being a better player or learning things I, I vaguely recall um I've been, I was over in Sweden when you played Helsingborgs and it was like Henrik Larsson. Were you playing centre midfield in that game or something? Or was there was there a couple of tactical experimentations where he sort of used yeah. you in a central position yeah. a couple of times? Yeah, not, not even in the European games. I think when I, during my time there, I would have played left back. I would have played the sitting midfielder number six. Sitting I would have played the number the eight in a three advanced. I would have played wide on the left. I would have yeah. played left of a three up top. I, and... You know what? I, every time I play, I learned from him. Like, and say he was he was some player in his day, Paul. Yeah, and, and a centre midfielder. So, like, we go through. I remember him in training as well, and like Paul Keegan would have been playing centre midfield most of the time, or Stephen Bradley, or whatever. And he might stop the play, and if you're on the ball, and he give them three or four options, and you're going, jeez, yeah. like, I mightn't have seen that, or but like he he would have seen everything, or he might go. He, <laughs> did you see match of the day on Saturday and, and he go through like, this is how Arsenal did it or this and he should have done this or done that or whatever and he just studies the game intensely and watches mm. everything and does it and they say his football knowledge is incredible and I learned a hell of a lot on, from, my, yes. from my time there and it was brilliant and look I had agreed a contract for another two years to stay on, but obviously things didn't work out. Mm. It's great to see him at Portadown now. Yeah. See him sort of back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shame to see him out with the game here for so long. Like, because mm. I, I don't think long. we can't afford no. to have the guys of his caliber. Not I, I think I think a lot of football boards are I don't know chairman. They just don't know a good thing. Like, and I know that. But he, I think his, his, his reputation is perceived yeah, him in terms him, yeah. of uh, perceived sort of difficulty to yeah. work with. But you think you could have got beyond that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm sure, like I say, it would be the same at board level. In dressing rooms, he would have probably, as you're saying, mm. split the dressing rooms and some players would have loved him and play for him. Others wouldn't have been able for him. And I'm sure boards are the same. Mm. Michael, do you know what? He's going to push us here to be better to get and they, and they don't want that they yeah. don't want mm. that in fairness so Ali your situation so you um, you went from playing to working full time with the PFI or PFA Ireland and you stepped away from that at the start of the season it must yeah. be a bit of an, a, an adjustment to suddenly not be in the thick of it so what, what yeah. explain to people maybe what, what's happened or what did yeah, you yeah, to um, yeah I stepped away just at, okay, at the end of January um, yeah look I, I have a young family four young kids that 10, 7, 5 and 2 um, my wife working full time as well um, so 
we just looked at the whole situation and decided, you know, um, this, this was the best thing for the family to do for me to step away and kind of look after the family and time with the kids. And, you know, when you have four kids that young, there's, mm. there's lots to be done. School runs, running around, training, two of them are playing away now. And so getting them to training, homework, everything like that. And, you know, we looked at child minors and, and what have you, the whole range of things. So um, we just sat down and thought, look, for a family, the best option was this was the best option yeah. for us. So, yeah, tough decision to make. Is hey, after you know a long playing career and then thirteen years with with PFA. Thirteen, 13 years, years, really? Wow, thirteen yeah. years, yeah. You came yeah. through the whole Gaza Strip and Abbottstown. Uh, that was in late in your. I, lo- I actually have to say, I love that uh, anecdote. <laughs> Gaza Strip, if you don't know, was uh, it was the the carpet that led to the PFAI section in Abbottstown because you were so uh, yeah. disenfranchised at that yes, stage. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it was never a dull moment. With, with work, what was that you know? like? In fairness, I, I like I I, remember, I find that whole era just so intriguing. But like, you were complete pariahs within, yeah, the, within the, it, the building. It was it was mad. It was weird. It was uh, yeah, loads of words to describe. But like, people weren't allowed to talk to us in the canteen. It was crazy, crazy. When you think back of it, like of it was like schools. It's my ball. You're not playing with it. You know, kind of mm-hmm. stuff. It was. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to get your head around it. But I suppose. When you see what what happened and and you know where where things have gone from then, you go, you can maybe understand it, but ridiculous. ridiculous for the stuff. FEI, was it easy? Do you think for the staff to normalise post that era? I would say if some of them at one point couldn't actually talk to you in the canteen, they then have to like adjust to what would you say like is a normal FEI or whatever subsequent to that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask them that. I don't know. We like we were always normal if you want to call it like that and so you guys know Stephen as well Stephen mm. will talk to anyone anytime mm. anywhere and uh, like everything that, that came down came from their side like we were mm. we would have been open to sitting down and talking to anyone down the canteen you know you're having like people afraid to talk to you or I think one guy actually called across to us or something and then maybe got it's like big brother or something can mm. <laughs> report to the diary room please you were you were seen talking to the to the PFAI like ridiculous stuff but he like, did Stephen did sort say of, that sort of it's so one of these things people would say that's unbelievable but it's like no it's actually very mm. believable mm. yeah that's what I'm saying everything yeah. that came out how do you think yeah it is it all like, it, it was we, all true you know yeah. <laughs> we yeah. spoke to Stephen a few months ago now he, was just, he wasn't saying it was perfect though now either like, so what was it like when you left, I suppose? Yeah, it's better. It's better, but I suppose you'd still have trust issues with them after everything that had gone on. And I suppose the whole, you know, that, that women's national team thing that, that really sparked it all for us. And you never thought it would actually get to that. Mm. You know, with the women's national team and then the stuff after you're going, like, like we have a job to do, you have a job to do. We, we did a job and just, you know, like, we'll move on. Like, and I say, we, we talked that like, and in, in day to day, like you might have fallen out with club, you might have arguments with clubs or whatever. But we're here to do a job. We're looking after the players, and that that's our job. And I say whoever on the other side of the table, if you're FEO, if you're a club, whatever, you you've got your job to do. But it was a job. We did our job, and then we moved on. But to hold it over you like that, and just say it's oh, I don't know, it's yeah. it is it's ridiculous stuff. So, like, so what's your? I say it, back, it it is better, but still still a long way. To that's go. what I was going to say. Like, what's your take on where we are now at the moment with club football in Ireland? Like, you know, say you're there thirteen years. How were things when you left compared to when you started? You know, and you'd obviously be going around doing club visits and stuff, so you know the lot of the player. You know what their prospects are, what their pay is, what their situation is. Where are we now, from your perspective? Yeah, yeah, it is improving. It is getting better all the time. I think it was nearly rock bottom a few years ago with, with wages that weren't offered and where clubs were. And obviously, I'd been involved in a couple of issues myself with, with Shelburne and Drogheda and see what happened at Sport and Fingal. It was there as well. So mm. um, hopefully that's a thing of the past. I think clubs have... I've got their act together um, and are in a lot better place, a, a lot of them. Um, I think players are more confident now of clubs standing over contracts and actually being paid and they can concentrate on football. Um, and it's it's going, in, it's going in the right direction. I think clubs have, for too long, maybe it was easy to point, to, I don't know, saying about the FAI, to put the point the finger at the FAI, going, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. But clubs needed to help themselves and do a lot more and just not use the FAI as an excuse. And I think... I think they've done a really good job. They say, look at the shape Shamrock Rovers are in now. Look at Bowles. Look at the way other clubs are are, are going. Um, and I think it's it bodes well for the future. Crowds-wise, the way things have gone, particularly this season. Mm. Um, 
look that's maybe on the back of lockdown and people not being able to get the games or whatever but like make hay while the sun shines again I think back to shells when when we were on that European run maybe the club you know maybe didn't do enough to capitalise on on what was going on at the time and to try and you know if you could get like there was whatever 24,000 people in Lansdowne Road watching us playing against Deportivo if you could get an extra two, three, four hundred people into the in the gate at home games a week how much revenue does that create throughout the year and we were full time footballers like we could have been going out into the community pushing that and getting people in, in the gate because as you know the, the, the clubs rely so much on attendances and, yeah. and getting bums on seats that, that that's a huge thing so. I think that's the change though isn't it now the the, the players the role in the community the, the amount of underage players and the Clubs seem to be coming a lot more than just a club that play on Friday nights. Yeah, well, look, even the underage setup has helped that. And I see lots of lots of players in senior teams that are coaching the underage teams, you know, the 15s, 17s are really involved with that. And as you say, clubs are really thinking about um, their place in the community as well. I know they're just professional clubs and they want to be winning things and pushing things. But um, yeah, get out into the community. Get Like I say, especially if you're full-time players, I, I, Draw that we're, we're, we're going, we won the league title. There was nearly a rota of going, two players used to be going here, there to schools with the league trophy and all. And, and just getting out into the community and generating that interest. And um, yeah, as I, say, I think clubs are, are doing a, a really good job at the moment on that. And, you know, again, it was back to what I was saying that they're maybe looking at it going, what, what can we do better mm. to really push things and not using other things as excuses to go, oh, we need this. Of course, they need funding. Of course, they need help. But you know, they can help themselves as well. Yeah, I'm just thinking obviously during lockdown, during last year, like Stephen would have been unwell. Stephen McGuinness would have been unwell. Yeah. would have been off the scene. So that would have been sort of probably demanding enough time for you. And was it a concerning time for just the league generally? Because we obviously, we had those worrying weeks and months where it's like, where does the, you know, where is the league going to restart? You know, what's going to happen yeah. here? Like was, are you happy to sort of, you managed to get through that okay if you know what I mean yeah yeah I think so I think maybe when it, when the lockdown happened first and Stephen was in his full health like I think if, if it had come a year later and Stephen was in the position he was in it would have been it would have been tough going um, and just even for Stephen like because again you, you guys know what he's like he would have yeah. wanted to be involved in that but he needed to look after himself so it was maybe a year down the line and I think clubs had got themselves into a decent position they knew the kind of funding that they got in and they were knew how to you know get through the season the, the first season when it hit first that was really tough going mm. um and getting in and th- negotiating with nearly every club across the board um and it was really unsettling for for players as well like it was a really really difficult time but thankfully got through and look the clubs learned their lessons as well as well as the FAI and everything and then Last year they were able to to get through the season and, and a full season at that with it um, fairly unscathed. And I say when when Stephen wasn't wasn't around and, and was out of action, we were able to you know keep it going as well from from our end, myself and Simone in the office as well. Like um, we were able to just manage our way get through. through. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, obviously Stephen is a big presence and and a big loss, and but he needed to look after himself and, and get through we'll, and, and deal with what we'll he was dealing that, with. Ju- just with COVID, with the PUP events and all that, how how have the clubs been this season in terms of because that was a kind of a false economy last year as well. Like, yeah, well, look, they, they were able to manage to get through it. Um, maybe they were stockpiling a few quid on the back of it as well. Mm. Um, and look, the. I suppose towards the end of last season we were able to get crowds in which maybe they wouldn't have budgeted for as well mm. um, and and that helped them to get get to this stage this season um, and say things are looking healthy enough at the moment um, so again you'd like to think over the last couple of years the clubs have been able to look at it and go how can we structure ourselves better how can we do things better um, the stream in the games like the income whatever it is from that um, and how they you know they're managed themselves over the last couple of years to get through it a difficult period you'd like to think they'd be able to get through this now mm. in, in a better position than, than they were Just so obviously this isn't your problem now it's just like Stephen yeah. and, and John McGuinness who replaced you um, but like I'm just trying to figure out what, what the issue is going to be in the next couple of years like we have our sort of a mailbag where people throw in comments um, and we had one there uh, from Bohemian Villain asking about Sean Grehan this young kid at Bowes who it does appear and I'd, I'd heard about this story in the last couple of months that I think a, a championship club had met a pretty derisory offer, like sort of five grand territory. Um, and I don't know, was a, I think obviously the kid maybe wanted to go. There's people around him advising them to go. Naturally, the club are entitled to far more than that. 
and now it's in this weird impasse where he was, I saw he was listed as unattached on an underage squad list yesterday. I don't want to talk too much about mm. that specific case because every case is specifics, but this general area of we're now trying to have a professional, a more professional underage setup. You know, we have under 17, under 19 players. We're trying to, clubs you see are trying to make them pro, but some of them are on yeah. very, very small money. Um, it does appear there's a drive there towards maybe looking at minimum wage might be one of the next battles that's going to be in the coming years like what's your take on that whole area because we Brexit has moved the goalposts and we suddenly have responsibility in an area we didn't before but clearly I can hear club officials screaming at me now saying well we don't have the money here to suddenly start handing unproven 17 year olds big contracts so this area in general is is a big one isn't it yeah yeah it's a huge one and that whole retention and everything that that goes with it it's we've had massive issues with that over the last few years and i know it's it's on the agenda for Stephen and and john and simone in the office to to look at and, and to really sort um for the future but look you can understand you can see kind of both sides but i suppose from our end you're looking at it going a proper pattern i say that there's structures there now the underage structures and it should be and it's and it's great but for that pathway to come through for a guy to be signing professional on 50 quid a week or something yeah. like or 75 quid a week like and then they and then to explain to people who may not be aware all the club needs to do at the end of the season if that player hasn't necessarily kicked on is like retain, retain him, him on that amount on, yeah yeah he has to be on at least the same same figure as he's on for the club to retain the rights to keep him or to get a fee if he leaves mm. and so yeah and you're looking at it going is that really right and you know like on that sort of money so again you see you're back to the minimum wage that again i know it's something that that the pfe ireland will be looking at and they're you know to to bring that on a bit further but um you know for clubs again i think stephen bradley mentioned this before and we've mentioned it before as well like if you're putting a guy on 50 quid a week for a year and think oh we're going to get x amount at the end of that like that's not fair that's not fair that's not fair and you know like say so you've got to look at them and again back to not just that case that you mentioned there looking at at five grand if like we we've spoke to lots of young players as well and they're going oh x club is stopping whatever player chasing the dream or whatever living the dream in england but you're thinking if a club wants to take them on a free or pay a couple of grand for are they like they're just taking a chance on them, like yeah. Whereas if they're going to it's play, not even a gamble, like. yeah. But, like, but if they're sc- going to, yeah. they're going to say Dan McDonald is playing with Bowes or Shamrock Rovers, top player. We're going to pay whatever hundred grand, two, three hundred grand, whatever the figure may be. You think, do you know what? They, they really rate this guy. They think he's got a chance. Mm. They're going to look after him and give him every opportunity to be the best he can be over there and maybe affect their first team. I think you know. As I say again, we've seen lots of guys going. Oh, take him over on a scholarship and no no professional deal. I'm going, that's a numbers game. They're taking, like, they're just. It's a free punch. Yeah, yeah so take all yeah. these guys. If one makes it, oh, happy days. What about all the lads that that's are the see, 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 you see, have, But I think, like, but I think no. sorry to cross Johnny, like, you think about it, it is a, right, independently, it's a scandal and it's a, it reflects how we're perceived here and says a lot that a club, you know, who will have players on you know, sort of 20, 25 grand a week will offer five grand for a player. I think that's yeah. scandalous. However, even if you say a player's on 100 quid a week for 40 weeks, their salary from football is like whatever, like four grand, is mm, it? Yeah, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So even if he's on a two-year deal, it's like eight grand. Like obviously we know that a player's contract will have a big impact on say fees. I know yeah. under compensation entitlements, you're due a lot more for each individual year. But there's there's got to be a, a medium found here somewhere. Like if like the club isn't valuing the player and it's disgraceful. But in saying that, the club here obviously needs to value the player a small bit more too. You know what I mean? So there's sort of a you've got to find some happy medium with it. Yeah, well that's again yeah. a, a starting point somewhere or something. Yeah. And again, maybe that minimum wage might be the goal, you know, mm. like if they're coming through as a you know, and they're sixteen, seventeen, it's like, you know, requirements in the country like if you're a young worker about 16 to 18 you bring a certain amount per week once you go over get a bit older you know the minimum wage comes in and it, it's, it's a bit more so you know there's maybe some ground there that that can be yeah can be so if a player comes in on a work permit from outside the country he's yeah, like, yeah. He's a, he's, he it's 600 euro push. a week yeah yeah so like a, a young professional from another country yeah. is a, who needs a work permit who quali- you know that, that's what they have to be paid yeah. but the, the income streams for clubs here are still like it's not it's not a very sustainable model in that there isn't tv money prize money is really bad so like if you look at we'll say 
you know, Matt Doherty, the Bose thing, that's that's the ideal or whatever. Um, and, you, you know, some clubs are going to get, like, Shamrock Rovers got plenty of money, but other clubs might be kind of just hoping that something comes through. And otherwise, where's the income stream for them to even sustain a minimum wage or to pay a young player? Because the money just isn't really there. There's no... There's no, like, um, backing for academies in Ireland that you'd be hoping the government might down the line. Like, say for, just for argument's sake, Galway United, if they're hoping they sell a good young player, that's grand. But, like, if that doesn't happen, the money isn't really there. Yeah, well, I think they're, I think Mark Scanlon on a few, they're looking at categorizing the academies yeah, and all that as well. On, yeah. And, you know, so there is stuff that's that's been put in place. Again, I agree with you, like, if, if it's proper academies and you need government intervention as well and it's, you know, that schooling runs alongside the football and, you know, again, we kind of spoke about it, making making it an industry. Yeah, I've been emailing about the Galway United Academy, Big Breakfast, Friends, like, it's basically fundraising for the academy. That's yeah, what we're at, yeah. we'll say, for it's not, because the money isn't really Well, in there. the context of the Euro, we have the Euro 2028 thing, which is now going to happen, right? There's mm. no rival bid. And it's very striking listening to, and I think this hasn't gone unnoticed, like uh, Jack Chambers speaking yesterday about, I think the spend from the government on this will be around 50 to 80 million, but they're expecting a fourfold return. So you're talking anything between 300 to 6 million coming into the economy. Now I know like that's not necessarily all coming into like state coffers or whatever, Mm. but there's obviously massive exchequer benefits from Mm. that. And surely this has to be a catalyst. And if, if the existence of the sport in this country is a means to have this big event come here, then surely you can give that little bit back. You know, I mean, because this is my slight concern. Without the government support, I don't see any other alternative because it's not going to be the FAI funding it. Like, we actually yeah. don't have anything else other than maybe you have a Comer group or you have, you know, you have a yeah. benefactor coming yeah. in. This yeah. is where we're, where we're at really, isn't it? Yeah, you know? no, it definitely needs it needs government backing. And then, and that's what I'm saying about the education side of it as well, that if you're putting the two of them together, you have a better chance of getting getting more funding in and like the, the, the apprenticeship scheme or YTS when they were in England that you're going to school you're, you're here you're school like Sean McGrover's are doing with Ashfield College I think is mm. where the players come in in the morning or certain mornings train with the team but they're doing their school and, uh, as well so and it goes hand in hand so if you're setting something look up up like that I think I do wonder got, though Ollie, like is, is, is there is there are there people there making the case like strongly enough to the politicians to say like if you bring a lobby group together in racing, for example, horse racing in Ireland is brilliant at dealing with government. Do we have a lobby group to say, like, the benefits for the country, not only football here, are massive, like, for to put money into academies and to keep coaches here and all the benefits into the local community? Do you know, is that case being made, like... I think it's it's something they can improve on, but do you know what? Even I've seen lots of clubs, and I'm involved with Home Farm, you know, the Sports Capital Grants, they, mm. they got mm. grants, and they were thanking Walter Holleran at the FBI mm. and the, the assistance and the help that they got from him as in putting the, the application together to, for the grants. You know, hopefully that's something that's widespread across the game with the League of Ireland clubs as well that they're not just you know going on a wing and a prayer that as you say they're, they're lobbying properly through the right channels with the right people and the expertise of people that, that know what they're doing mm. um, because I say for too long like lots of clubs again, some of them are full time and set up really well others aren't and they're volunteers and you know it's hard for them to, to do all that I, absolutely I understand that but you know is it there should be there should be some sort of group there that that can and there is expertise there absolutely there is mm. within clubs as well um that that know what they're doing um and should be should be pushing that card really absolutely one of your other big parts of your job would have been just the the lot of the general professional in Ireland say the guy in his 20s who's been you know who's been in the game for a long period of time about education about planning for the future and stuff like that like one of the partners with us in the pod this year is like Malone Financial Services, Chris Malone is, and I think he's, you know, they're, they're obviously working with some players around injury cover and, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of looking at their finances and stuff like that. And as I said, anyone who wants to go and uh, talk to Chris, they can just mention us and he's offering a free financial review. But just in the context of like where things are now for the guys in their mid to late 20s and their prospects for the future, are we happy with where things are there? Is there still players that need a little bit of a shove to, to plan ahead and to realise that this this isn't forever. Absolutely, absolutely. I think yeah. that it's a mindset you have to change. Um, I think it has changed slightly, um, but it still needs more work. Um, and we had the 
Emma in as a PDM. Um, she's she's moved on, but I know they're going to fill the role again. That was um, an, sorry, an educational role. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Player development manager. Yeah. Um, and that was to look at everything outside of football um, and education. I say not everyone's not cut out for education. Maybe going back to college or studying, or it could be a trade. It could be something just to get them switched on to life outside of football. But it's hard. They just think football lasts forever and I'm going to play and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and you know even guys that have come back from England and um, that might have dropped out of education early you're still tr trying to get them on the ladder and they still think oh, I'll just play here for a few years and I'll go back I'll, I'll be fine I'll be you know and again we want the dressing room to be a place where if you're not doing something that you're seeing as kind of the odd one out mm. whereas before is nearly thinking oh, you need to concentrate on your football you need to just train you need to play don't worry we want to flip that to go, do you know what? They go hand in hand. There's no downside to getting an education. Football isn't going to last forever. Um, and lots of the times we might see issues with player or identify guys and try to bring them into what we're trying to do. And they just resist it. Like football, like you have a lot of hours in the day as well. You're not always training. You've got to, even for your, your own mind, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what about mortgages in it? Like, is that situation as bad as ever? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's tough as well because, say, guys on one-year, two-year deals, him looking for a mortgage on the back of that, yeah. You'd be showing the door fairly lively. Mm. So mm. Um, I think even the fact, if they see that you are actually doing something, like you might be full-time professional football, you could be at Rovers or wherever Pats or whatever, full-time professional football. If they see you doing something, you've, you've got some kind of chance. But if you've nothing nothing on your CV, nothing to, to back up the, the playing career, it's tough going for them, mm. absolutely. And lots of players, we've had lots of players come to us on the back of that meeting about mortgages and going, oh, I need to do something here. Like, I mm. got rejected, I got to not even getting in the door. They said they wanted That's to mind actually getting a house in Ireland at the moment. Yeah, you know? it's yeah, tough enough. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, another yeah. element to even getting the mortgage approval process. I, yeah, I think yeah. the, the, in fairness to the underage system, the, 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 the opportunities that's given to people to do something else, and you, it's, it's lovely to see players already like starting to coach under 15s or 17s and all that. And like it's given so many opportunities as well. Yeah, yeah. And look, lots of, lots of guys stay within football and coaching because that's, the, that's their comfort zone kind of. But even even the coaching courses now have changed dramatically mm. and there's so much kind of IT stuff, analysis and, and being able to do all that. And the, the, the actual, like years ago when I did the UEFA B, it was a written, like you just fill in an application form and apply. Now it's all online and you have mm. to... And if guys can't get through the application process for that, like they're going to struggle because um, like it, it's so much more than football and doing presentations and all that. And that, that's the way the game has gone. Um, but they need to learn those skills and those skills will help them outside of football as well. Mm. Um, we actually helped a few guys just getting through the application because they didn't have the IT skills. They didn't, mm. they weren't able to do it. And you're going, going to struggle on the course if you can't, if you can't get through this, this process. Like, so it was, mm. it was little things like that where we we're going, because you need to start thinking about doing stuff outside. And, and sometimes it might be just, oh, I think I'm thinking myself when I was playing full-time, I, I probably didn't do enough. And then just when I, when I retired and working, had a family, I started picking the guitar up and learning the guitar. And I was thinking, all oh, those hours you, I you, had. Um, you know, brought that the I guitar today. I like, <laughs> brought yeah. the guitar. Yeah. Shane, Long's, Shane Long's good on the, the sort of a tip tip or something. Thing, yeah. Yeah. Are you able to play a bit of it? I could play a bit. What yeah. would you like rock and roll? or? Yeah, well, yeah. Darren McKendy, you two, right. a few, a few, few that, crowd favourites that would get that, but that, that whole Chelsea team here should have just been doing gigs on the side to make a few quid. <laughs> that could have been yeah. here. That could have, like you talk about, you could have done yeah. more in the community. Maybe you should have just done a gig after the game on a Friday <laughs> yeah, we night. We have our live event this year. Ollie's yeah. on stage now. Ollie could do on stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just said I could play and I didn't say about singing. Uh, <laughs> and, and come here, so do you see, you mentioned you're still doing stuff at Home Farm. Like, do you see yeah. yourself retaining an involvement with, with football? Like, you know, are you, are you going to league games? still or yeah, yeah 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 i've been to, i was in tala friday i was in shells i was in talca the week before um yeah coaching up on the home farm um is it much I, I did my uefa b but i had to do cpd to, to bring it back up today and oh, i did yeah. a block on the uefa b license a few weeks ago when i had a had the time to do it now so i've got that up to date so yeah look football's been my life um and i love it i love the coaching i love coaching up in home farm i love going to the matches and my young lad goes with me and yeah, I say he's he's a Rovers fan and he was buzzing in Tala last week. It was a great game. I was just going to say, yeah, what was what's your, your, your you can fully comment now. You're not like a, <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a union official, maybe. I don't know. Can you say like what what's your sort of take on yeah. the league this season? It's nice to go and just sit back and watch a game and thinking, oh, it could be issues from that or what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. there. You know, like I can watch yeah. it and take it in and 
Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting league. Um, it started off really competitively, isn't it? Like it's going to be hard to to pick a winner, and even at both ends of the table, it's going to be you know it's going mm. to be played out right right till the end. I said I was I was impressed with Rovers, Shamrock Rovers the other night. Um, I thought they were really good. Um, going forward, looked like they were. Um, you know, there'd be a handful of friends. Landy Lyons was up and down that right. I see him yeah, he's wing got some back. good reviews. I yeah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was pushed on high and he caused Sligo a lot of problems. But then again, you're looking at Sligo, they're probably thinking it was a really good away performance. You know, you're going to tally, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to surrender possession to them the way they play. They're, they're, obviously, Rovers are going to have most of the ball most of the time, defend, a couple of breakaway goals. Yeah, Rovers could have been could have had a, a few more goals in fairness they probably should have won the game on, on the chances they created but it was a really good game and some really good players on show and you, think, and you see like so Jack Bourne coming on at half time yeah um, you know, that's, that says so it that's, all that's a, as, as strong a squad I think depth as there's been I think in a while isn't oh it? yeah yeah and I remember even watching the watching the derby game Rovers and Bowes and, and Gaffney played really well and he's coming off you're going oh, taking Gaffney up mm. bringing Aaron Green on they're taking you know Mandrew off or whatever bringing the, bringing Graham Burke on you're going yeah. like, you think of the opposition going oh, ah, he's going off now I can uh, mm. <laughs> someone else is coming on it's like, yeah. uh, absolutely it's, it's, it's a serious serious squad but again I say it looks like oh, Ed McGinty was really good made an unbelievable save I haven't watched it back but at the time it looked incredible yeah so, so I was watching the highlights this morning yeah. Yeah, from the corner was yeah, it yeah reaction saved Niall Morahan was good in the middle of the park Will Fitzgerald got, got a great goal little flick header Keane took his goal really well mm. on the back of the hat trick against UCD as well so and say should, from Sligo they'll be going should yeah. have been an RT before we finish up just something I was interested in in terms of the difficult challenges that you face in the job they, when you had to represent players that had been accused of sort of match fixing and stuff like that how difficult was that for the organisation because that was a horrible time for everyone yeah yeah it was but again say our, our job was to look after the player um, and I suppose our way of looking at it was there was nothing to link any of the players to actual match fixing um, so if that's where the line in the sand was going to be drawn mm. where a fella was going to get done on the back of of people just watching a video and going yeah he's guilty that's a dangerous precedent mm. to be set so like there could be if that's where it was, I say they could be betting on for a penalty in the game. Some mm. fella could have innocently taken a player down a penalty and then the book is going to be thrown at him so I say that's that's where our line was at and, and that's why we defended the player and look we were ultimately we won the case through Cass in mm. the end but yeah no look it's not, not nice not nice for anyone to be involved in that in the league or, or anything like that so um, yeah and it was a long long drawn out process the whole yeah, lot of the it Igor Labutz case went yeah, on forever yeah to get, yeah to get through Cass and everything like that so it was yeah it, it was long but I say um, we got there in the end but I say and it was if that, that if Again, that, if that's where the line was drawn, that that, that was mm. a dangerous precedent from our end. And I said, that's why we defended the player and not, not just that player, but all the players mm. in the league on the back of that. So Yeah, I, I think we're, I think as a league, it's great that those days seem to be hopefully well behind us anyway. And Dan, first reason. Yeah. Would you have your fixtures there, Johnny? This weekend. Um, I expect you should have them in the tip of your eyelids there. You should know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, first visit for... Uh, well, what's, when Johnny's getting himself sorted, is there still a team whose result you look at? Let's say you weren't... Cork City. On, on a Friday night, you weren't... You've just, you've been out or the kids have been mad and you, you're looking through live score or whatever. Is there one result you would look for first? I Probably Shells. Shells. Oh, really? Shells would be my team. A lot, yeah. of team, a lot of you Shells boys have a real affection for Shells, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I suppose... It's probably the best part of my career playing there, winning the winning three league titles, yeah, and the European nights. Just the players I played with, Ollie Byrne, Ollie Byrne, everything about the club. And look, I know obviously it didn't end great with the with financial circumstances, but I suppose the one thing as well that you know we got all the money we were owed back. Mm. You know, I, I know we went through the season going wondering if we're going to get paid or not, or, or whatever the case may be, and we actually won the league title that season. Which, you know, considering everything went on, I'd say it was. There's a real bond in that group. Yeah, off the yeah. Back of we were just able to go and play, and yeah, it was. And they said the thing, they said that you recognise the club as well. That they they said they would honour the contracts. They stood over them, and there was there was well, a I fair few quid. Oh, that we did so get the money back. It was so kamikaze, it was, but like I think Ollie's heart was definitely in the right place in terms of the club wasn't well run, but like you would have enjoyed dealing with him as a PFI official. Yeah, yeah. He's an incredible character. Like he would just. Uh, do I and like to be money just coming out like no I, uh, no, I like and, and Joe Casey picking up the pieces of him and, and everyone else in the club 
afterwards I know did a great job but again again you, you just think like he was an unbelievable character and I think if, if he's have you got Johnny Ward's number he'd be able to give it to you off the top of his head now mm. he didn't have to go and looking for his phone or that and he was just he was unbelievable and the passion and the drive he had for the club was incredible and again as I say he, he said we'll, we'll honour those contracts we'll stand over them and we got paid I think it was in the summer of the following season but we got mm. the money um, yeah. which is you know credit to the club because lots of clubs kind of you know fold come back under different and, guys and you, and, and you don't get the cash and you don't yeah. get the cash Speaking so credit well, I, to I them, tell you like I, I, Ollie like you talk about my early journalistic experiences one was like dealing with Paul Doolan wanting to sort of you know chop you down but like early morning phone calls from Ollie Byrne yeah. to <laughs> talk through the legalities of the rule book and why yeah. the, particularly in that sort of uh, was it Jason McGuinness case was it the Jason McGuinness one in 2006 or was there something to do with Derry or there was a oh there was the Dublin City games being expunged yes, or something yeah, that's what it was yeah, sorry yeah. there was a couple of that was it, instances yeah. in, in 2006 we, we ended up we, if it was gone on points gained we would have been three points ahead of Derry or something, or something but like because that, the, yeah. the results for the Dublin City games were wiped I think it brought us back level with them, and we won the league on goal difference that yeah. year. But yeah, he had a big seven a.m. phone call from Ali on the sixteen bus, like yourself actually. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, he knew the rule book inside oh, out. He, as knew, well. he knew it better than anyone in the FAI. Yeah. That was the thing. Like yeah. in a different place at a different time. If you had Ollie working for the FAI, it would have been actually an interesting <laughs> time, you know. Yeah. Or if you said Ollie, your job is to just run the league, you yeah, know, yeah. it would have been uh, would have been wild. It's interesting. Yeah. The first fixture is Treaty against Watford, two teams that are obviously kind of new entities or whatever, are renamed Longford, Galway, United, Bray Wanderers, Wexford FC, and your former beloved Cork City, who are flying us at the moment at home to Athlone Town, who are not. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, they're the Friday. We obviously fixture. have the Ireland games. We have the the double header. Mm. Uh, Belgium on Saturday Lithuania on Tuesday yeah. um, any yeah. excuse for your eccentric pronunciation of Lithuania you know what's, the, what's this it's, and the people our regular listeners will know at this stage Ollie thanks very much for coming in <laughs> no uh, problem, thanks, thanks to uh, Lithuania that's a bit more like <laughs> uh, future ticketing have you been to Lithuania yourself no I'll beat the game on Tuesday. Actually, have I been to Lithuania? I have. I have actually. Oh, I was. Yeah. I was at a. I was at a wedding in Lithuania, and first of all, I went over thinking, "Oh, Lithuania is going to be this great, like former Soviet kind of experience." Oh, I really, you know, I've kind of a fascination with that stuff. Wasn't at all. It's was really modern. But um, the wedding was on a Friday, and I thought it was on a Saturday. So I went over for my American's cousin. My American cousin's wedding um, in Lithuania got the day wrong, and uh, was in my <laughs> was in my hotel room trying to get some geezer in to fix the air conditioning. And my cousin just walks by me in a suit. Johnny, everyone's in the church. Where are you? I got. I went to Lithuania for a wedding, and I was. I got the day wrong. Um, well, there you go. I actually, I actually think Lithuania was that the last Shell's trip in two thousand and six. Yeah, I think I was on that be, one. Yeah. Oh, maybe not the last trip. Because I think you won that tie, we didn't you? Not that tie, team. Did we mm. play Odense? Odense, then, maybe. I didn't it? go to Odense. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember being yeah. in Lithuania because I think it was an old school League of Ireland trip where I think it was like a night out after the game. <laughs> like vague, relaxion, vague recollections of Owen Heary and Alan Murr being in a taxi at sort of all hours of the morning you were probably at home in bed <laughs> yeah. you see you see you're such a solid pro I remember Sean Dillon there who like was you know doesn't drink or whatever yeah. and that was a, like that was quite an experienced squad actually I sort of remember that being a, probably shouldn't have told any of those stories no. Sean, sorry Sean yeah. Dillon another one who was learning the guitar I remember he oh, was he? bringing the guitar with and kind of plucking away trying to I yeah. can't imagine yeah. you playing like the guitar in front of Dulo uh, just get a session <laughs> bond and like Dulo would be like I know something I, I can improve you as yeah, a guitar yeah. player <laughs> your riffs are all wrong <laughs> <laughs> in association with Future Ticking Malone Financial Services Collar and Cuff and Porterhouse Brew uh, enjoy the Ireland game if you're going we'll be back next week